Hi, everybody. Welcome to uh, Corporate Lunch, the fashion customer service podcast that is guaranteed to change your life. Um, right, Rachel? That's what you said that you were guaranteeing specifically? Yeah, 100% customer uh, satisfaction. And if you aren't satisfied, you can send the podcast back to Sam Hine and he yeah. will give you your money back. We have um, multiple special guests here today. Over the course of this episode, there will be multiple special guests. For now, there's just one. Chris Gaimali, GQ's um, editor. Of, <laughs> editor of articles, articles at GQ. I think, yeah. We don't really have uh, real titles here. I don't know. What is an article, you know? Yeah, it's, what a, is it's, a, it's an honor to be here with you guys. It's, it's really funny, too, because whenever I listen to you, you're always like, sped up on like 1.5 speed so you're a little bit more chipmunky <laughs> and now hearing your real voices is such a trip yeah we we still sound like chipmunks we just don't go quite as fast as you're used to um i'm alvin <laughs> these are my friends simon and theodore that sped up podcasting is a funny like i get it it saves time and you can like crush more pods in a day but is it like yeah. you get used to it. I, I don't do that, but I know a lot of people have to like, can you explain that? I think please? I was just doing it. And then I didn't even realize at one point that people's voices were sped up anymore. So then I just assumed that's like normal people's talking speed. It's like you guys yeah. and like Michael Barbaro at the daily who like, I don't wow. ever recognize him. Well, he, well, he speaks at half speed. So you need to speed him up just to like make it normal speed basically. Um, well, they keep saying that podcast um, ratings are, are down in this time of isolation and no one's going to work or commuting. Of course, like our audience grows by the millions weekly and there's been nothing but just a huge spike. Like, you know, the unemployment, the unemployment graph where it's like, everything's down here at the bottom and then, and then it goes to the top of the newspaper. That's our, that's corporate lunch. There are a lot more people listening to this podcast than there were during the great depression. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so many more. Arrelson Hughes calling in soon. Um, acronym designer, co-founder, co-founder, right? Yeah. Um, I, I was telling Sam Hine before this, I, I think it's really funny that you guys had Nicholas Daly on last week. And so it's like two karate doing designers on two weeks in a row. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, we only talk to designers that did do karate. This is the Corporate Lunch Dojo. Welcome. It is the dojo, um, which begs the question, what other designers do karate? So who should, who should be on? <laughs> and then who, who should be on next? Yo. Carlson. Hello. Hey. How are you guys? Great. Hey, man. You great. You look great. I wore my acronym jacket for you today. <laughs> Inside. But, but I'm wearing like basketball shorts underneath, so I'm only like halfway committing to the bit. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter if you can't see it. <laughs> this is our whole world exists from you know like mid torso up pretty much pretty much um how's everybody uh we're great maybe we should do introductions since we haven't all met i'm noah uh what's I'm that? style editor, style GQ. editor not, GQ? not that that yeah. matters but nice i'm sam what's up senior sam, associate how you editor good how are you following you on twitter yesterday <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Appreciate the follow. Appreciate the follow back. Checked it out. Check, yeah. And I'm Rachel, and I'm a writer at GQ. Nice. And so this is, um, is this live or is it like? No, as in, not live. You can say whatever you want and we can take it out, <laughs> leave it in. We can add a reverb. <laughs> um, not live, but we don't really, like we don't really edit unless... Need, okay. needed so <laughs> if you accidentally say something super controversial that needs to be off the record you can uh you can clarify that but otherwise um you can dm me on twitter and i'll take it out later <laughs> yeah. nice where are you where are you at these days Arlson? i'm in uh in london actually Ooh. and uh i was uh well, i was actually in la with my uh doing a well just before this all star are we have we officially started now or are we like yeah yeah we can okay. go okay, so, yeah. all right good um, just before um, the whole thing kind of went mainline, um, <clears throat> I was in Berlin and uh, got a call from uh, Dave Rudnick, who's a graphic designer we're working with. He was like, yo, I think we should go to LA. And I was like, bro, this is going to peak. Like, 
next couple of days <laughs> and he was like you know what but if it does by the time they figure it out we should be able to get in and out in time and then we can do our meetings and then he's like you know because we'll be locked down for like months after we won't be able to do anything and so i was like hemming and hawing for, for like a good week and like really didn't want to go but then finally gave in and, and went and sure enough you know the third day we got there, <laughs> they like started closing the borders. And, um, it was like, ah, perfect. But but it turned out to be good. We did we did get everything done. I even managed to leave on the same flight that I actually booked. Um, wow, oh, that's great. And a miracle. Uh, yeah, but then when I on the way back, I flew over London. My girlfriend came out to LA with me, and um, and then the flight I missed my connection flight to Berlin, and um, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna stay in London. <laughs> so, so the uh, food options are way better here. There's way better delivery in Berlin, sorry, in London than there is in Berlin. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to stay as long as I possibly can. <laughs> so you haven't been back to Berlin in in weeks, or almost a month now. Yeah. Oh man. Wow. And um, I'm I'm gonna try not to go back until the restaurants open. <laughs> you're not you're not doing much home cooking. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I always joke that I'm the least domestic person in Europe. Um, <laughs> I, I have a kitchen, and it does have a fridge. There's, there's like one stool, like there's not even, there's no dining room table. Um, yeah, the fridge is always empty. There's not even like drinks in it. There's, it's just, it's so easy. Like Chris, you've been there, but where I, yeah. where I hang out in Berlin, like there's so many little restaurants and it's just, and uh, I just, I just never have never cooked. And, uh, my when I first moved to Berlin, I didn't even get a fridge the first six years. Oh wow! wow. I didn't realize it was like that. <laughs> this, is, this is hardcore. This is like beyond. I mean, New Yorkers. I feel like New Yorkers are kind of used to having no food in the fridge, or like yeah. you know, po- pre-COVID we were. That's like a very New York. I mean, any yeah. city, any global city, I guess that's a common lifestyle. But you really took it to an extreme. I mean, no fridge is practically unheard of in the winter i would just like in the winter there's these sliding doors in my apartment that have this like little smoking balcony uh-huh. so i would just open it crack it open and stick the stuff outside of the balcony and close it um but during the summer it was new yeah so i don't know so what anyway, are you surviving so, on are you uh are you abiding are you sticking to any particular sort of uh apocalypse diet or are you just getting what you can get um according to um, still open no it's um there's fantastic uh, food options right now in London um my uh my new girlfriend who lives in London who's she's like um got that whole food game on lock and uh, so I've, I've I've been trying all kinds of foods I've never had before even <laughs> which seems completely weird when you got when you got holed up in in London did you have like you know a suitcase of like extra clothes or are you like living out of like one acronym fit right now like what's your sort of clothing situation that you're working with yeah I packed enough for like five days in LA and uh, so that's like a year's worth for like normal people (laughs) (laughs) no I I literally have two pairs of pants and uh, a couple of t-shirts I just keep cycling I just I mean I'll go wear one week one pair of pants and then switch and um, yeah no no big fits get, not getting any not getting off any good fits these days <laughs> but, Chris can you move the the mic I think your mic is crinkling a lot it might be it might be hitting your coat oh it, it might it's be okay. the acronym coat there might yeah. be like magnets in the, the coat in the wants to over talk. here that might be Do- interfering with this signal doesn't it have a built-in microphone or something that you could uh, <laughs> <laughs> does this sound better or is it still like that's better i I think you're getting some some clicking um but that's a good segue into talking acronym i think uh one thing errolson we noticed is that a few new pieces dropped like almost at like peak covid mania Mm. um which was you know uh, in terms of the way we think about things we were like hmm how intentional was this like in this moment (laughs) in this moment of uh and we should talk more about how your how acronym relates to um a dystopian feeling but um we were like errolson is just blessing us right now with the gear we need to survive this it was like the perfect timing i'm sure obviously you work on a different kind of schedule but i just wonder if you could talk about like that latest release and and i don't know what what it was like to to for that to happen at that moment or was it just business as usual and you were just proceeding with the plan you had you know long set 
it's pretty funny. I've had a lot of people say like, you know, you've been ahead of the curve on this for a very long time. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know what it says about the world that uh, the, the vision that we had for things is sort of becoming mainstream now. I don't, I'm not sure that's entirely good, <laughs> but, but here we are nonetheless. Um, the drop that we, that did just, that did just happen. Um, it was a couple of weeks late. I think it was only two though, two, maybe three weeks late. And um, most of that stuff is actually, we have two factories. One is in Czech Republic, which is our factory. And then one is uh, a new factory we're using in China. Um, and that's actually where we heard about this whole thing first, because they were right at the beginning, like in December already. Oh, wow. Like, um, you know, this is happening. We're going to have to close down for a bit because the government is saying um, everyone has to isolate. Um, but then they were very, very much on top of it. And uh, like I said, I think in the end, it was only two and a half, three weeks delay. Um, uh, and then, uh, so that was just kind of timed out. Luckily, it just happened to ship right then. And obviously sales, you know, sell through of it has been a little bit slower. I think people are obviously, you know, um, depending on what your situation is with your job and who knows, you know, it's just a very, it's a big, it's a lot of uncertainty right now. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been okay. I think other businesses have been hit quite a bit harder or fashion in particular. Um, yeah. I, I wonder since you operate on your own system to some extent in terms of production and, and sales, um, I, it seems like it's maybe shielded you somewhat. I mean, also I think you have a specific maybe customer base that's a little different from a kind of a mainstream fashion brand that operates on like, yeah a regular schedule and whatnot, it seems like maybe you've um, somewhat protected yourself by, by doing things your own, your own way. Um, yeah. I mean, like we're, we, yeah, that's, that's definitely fair. We uh, operate on the fringes of the system, I guess. Um, probably the only thing we share with the rest of the industry is the, the, the timing. Like we do two seasons mm-hmm. um, a year um, and that's, but that's about it. So the rest of it, everything else happens online there's no, um, you know, there's no, we don't do any trade shows. We don't do any fashion shows. There's no showrooms. So all of that stuff, you know, everybody's stressing because Paris is canceled for men's and whatever, but we don't, that doesn't affect us at all. Um, all of that is just born out of our, um, out of necessity because we just have always operated. We've always been doing something that was different. It would never, the, the development timeline we have is longer than everyone else. Um, the collection is smaller, the stuff's designed to last. It's not a seasonal thing anyway. Um, even the fact that we have two seasons, like the products are almost the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, it doesn't matter if it's winter, if it's summer, aside from maybe some insulated stuff and the occasional pair of shorts. From a creative aspect, is it still like business as usual for you? Like, are you interacting with like the rest of like the acronym team? Like back yeah. in Berlin, pretty regular? Yeah, there's, mm-hmm. it's pretty much the same. I mean, um, Business as usual, if you can call acronym <laughs> business as usual at any time, then, then yes, yeah, it's the same. Um, yeah, it's in this case, like being outside the system has actually been an advantage. Um, it's worked out. Uh, who knows though? Like I, all bets are off as far as I can tell. Like I don't really, I'm not really sure, you know, how many, we hear predictions all the time of when it's going to be over or what's going to happen next. And, I'm not really convinced every anyone has like really a handle on what's going to go on. So mm, yeah. um, here's hoping that it's over soon, but uh, I mean, um, we're good right now and good for the, you know, the immediate future. We'll see if this drags on for a year, then obviously it's a different story, but, but hopefully it won't. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about just like how this experience is maybe shaping or reshaping your ideas about design. I mean, so much of what you do is based on utility and, and a functionality. And, you know, if, if life on earth is profoundly changed uh, by a viral <laughs> event, um, it, it does feel like that could end up being something we see reflected in what you, you do somehow. I mean, maybe that's just, that's um, I'm reaching here for something, but I just, it's, I wonder for people like yourself who, who work, you know, it's your, your project is driven by your ideas and creativity. And, and this circumstance obviously has an effect on that. Have you started to wrap your head around design ideas for the future that, that 
may come out of this either directly or indirectly yeah like are, are the next net gators gonna have like n95 filters exactly like yes <laughs> stuff like that yeah it's i mean we've been we've been making masks an acronym in various uh, formats for years so that's not out of the question the one that just came out just before this happened already actually had the filter oh, wow. <laughs> oh my god that's crazy <laughs> so we were kind of like um this this came out this was a korean project the project we did specifically for korea oh man um, this is like just a couple of months ago are those reselling for like 5k on grilled right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ho hopefully not but um yeah, yeah so, buy my used mask you know yeah. <laughs> i mean this one you can even replace the filter on this one so i'm sure it will i don't think it has yet like i don't have any like I guess the good thing about it is it's just kind of reinforced in my mind our approach to things and, yeah. uh, and the way we build things, the, 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 the fundamental intent that we have behind it. Um, and if anything, it sort of gives me hope that we're, we are on the right path. But um, I'm sure we'll have other, you know, other things will, um, on a sort of deeper, probably emotional level, um, the design will be informed by this whole new um, vibe that the world is, is going to have but um yeah, yeah. for the like I, there's nothing where i'm like oh we should never have done this or there's no red flags popping up where i'm like god damn it yeah what I like <laughs> we totally the, blew it what so. i like the, the latest collection is you had all these hoods that zipped up all the way and now like when i ride on the subway the next time in like however many months i only want to like hide in this little cocoon yeah. <laughs> and yes, shield, shield away with moisture repellent like tuned up to 100 or whatever it could be <laughs> it's, it's funny because the um if anything it just makes wearing acronym now easier than before because um we've had those those you know types of you know neck gaiters and face masks and whatever that cover you know most of your face for for years um and i would just wear them around a lot just anyway but you know you get a lot of <laughs> weird looks <laughs> um i mean even up to like when i flew to la a month ago i, I was one of the only people on the plane with a mask and uh, even then, I was getting a lot of like, you know, curious, you know, sort of weird looks from people. Um, but now, you know, I think it's like, where'd you get that mask? <laughs> it's much, it's completely flipped. So um, if anything, it's just made that kind of aesthetic more um, normal. Yeah. Why did you want to have masks and neck gaiters and sort of face, facial coverings in the acronym line, you know, when you introduced them years ago? Was it um sort it's of main, utilitarian mainly, and functional thing or aesthetic yeah um it's mainly the well it's both it's mainly however it was made for the cold so um we wanted to have things that were if you're riding a bike or you're um you know it's if there's high winds that kind of stuff you just want to be fully sealed and fully protected and then uh, we also just are big fans of uh you know privacy and autonomy and um so that's the privacy aspect was always a thing as well. In Germany, it's actually illegal to cover your face. Hmm. Right? Oh, so wow. If the cops, if the cops see you and you're masked up, they will immediately stop you and tell you to take it off. Um, oh, wow. I had no idea. Oh, so you made so, illegal garments. I mean, in, in Germany, yeah. <laughs> you can definitely do that anywhere else. But, Great. But, uh, yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, it was mainly, it was mainly like environmental protection before and now you know, has this additional additional factor. For, yeah, I don't know if it's a good thing, but, <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> are you thinking at all about like, you know, the, I think a lot of fashion brands have started, for example, to make masks because yeah. it's a way for them to keep producing things. But I anticipate, and I think a lot of people anticipate that like that will start to influence what they do otherwise. And I wonder if you're, how are you thinking about, or have you started thinking about like this shift from what you're doing uh, going from like being a kind of subculture and like a certain kind of lifestyle to something maybe much more directional. Hmm. Haven't actually thought about it that much. Um, maybe this is uh, something I should address though, because I think what I've been realizing recently, like just you know having more time to think, a little bit more time to think these days, um, is that acronym is always. As, as forward as we've tried to make it, it is a little bit um, reactionary. There's always like been a feeling of like we're resisting something. 
Mm. Um, and uh, I do feel now, especially if something like if that happens, and we do, it does become more of an accepted sort of thing. Um, we'll have to go beyond um, reacting or, or resisting against another thing and just sort of go off on our own uh, path. So I can see, I can see that sort of happening. Um, but I don't know, you know, acronym tends to be very incremental and um, it's not, um, so the change, I, I imagine there will be a change, but it'll take a while to surface and it won't be like anything you know, drastic. It'll be gradual evolutionary. As, that's just how it is with us. Even if we don't want it to be, it's, it's how it always seems to be. So, yeah. it's, I was looking at, um, Chris, of course, wrote a great um, profile of Arelson and acronym for GQ last year, which we haven't mentioned yet, but that's a thing that um, everyone should read. And uh, one part that really stuck out to me in this sort of context is there's a moment where you address the idea, and I just use the word dystopian, but that people tend to use, like to associate that word with acronym, when in reality, I think you point out it's, it's, it's really something, there's something much more optimistic about what acronym is. And I really agree. I think like it's a, the, the design is kind of like all about sort of potential and um, sort of creative potential and expression and like how much, how much can be done and how much we can do. Um, but, you know, I, and I, I, not to like read back a quote from you, but <laughs> you say if it's dystopian, <laughs> but I'm going to, so uh, just Go bear with it. me. You can, you can cringe through this if you choose to or not, or you should bask in the glory of your own genius. And um, yeah, you just say if it's dystopian in some aspects, it's probably because it's kind of a dystopia right now, which I think that was the thing I wanted to call out, which is like, yep. The dystopian thing isn't necessarily acronym. It's just life on earth. And, just um, <laughs> but it feels like you were, you know, this, this, you said this long before um, any of us knew about coronavirus. So it just, um, I wonder what types of things do you feel like you've been reacting to? I mean, I know um, the environmental crisis that we've all been dealing with is one thing that feels like it's had as much urgency as anything, but of course we've learned that, that a virus can get us to react a lot more quickly um, than that was able to, which has been sort of an interesting thing to witness that some have talked about. But anyway, I guess it's just to kind of ask like, what's, um, what, what is it about life on earth that feels dystopian sometimes or did in that <laughs> moment? And, and how is, you know, how does acronym become a reaction to that in a sense? Well, I think fundamentally it starts with the design um, intention where I find um, a lot of things these days or throughout my whole life, really um, product design, systems design, society in general, you know, it, it's almost always set up where you're the one who has to adapt to the existing system or constraint or product. Um, so you modify your behavior towards that. And with acronym as much as possible, um, we try to go the other way so that, the design itself is as open-ended as possible. And it's up to the user, the person wearing it, the individual to decide, well, I'm going to use it for this. So we'll design a jacket and we'll put in um, like the maximum spectrum of possibility into it um, in terms of the technology, the fabric or um, the features it has, but even, you know, the fit block, which I always talk about, like how can you move with this jacket? We want to have zero resistance, no restriction at all. Um, because the way, you know, fundamentally the way things are designed, you know, if you, if you have a suit jacket on, um, that is designed to look good standing up with your arms down, right? As soon as you lift your arm, <laughs> it looks right. weird or trying to, you know, ride the subway or drive your car. It's, so in a way it's, it's programming your physiology and, uh, and acronym, we want to promote, you know, fundamentally want to promote agency. So individual capability in action that you can affect your environment. You can decide you're the one who's in control. And that's the part I think is where, ac where acronym is inherently optimistic because it's, um, we're building with that idea that, that you can determine your own path. And uh, yeah, so. Yeah, I find it. I yeah, find I gotta it. say, this is this is the most comfortable subway <laughs> holding jacket that I currently it makes own. Makes you want to like 
<laughs> I gotta go through my go. closet yeah, and like do jumping jacks and everything yeah. to make sure. <laughs> that's that's literally how we do fittings. Like I remember when our our senior pattern maker, who's been with us for years now, she came from like, um, you know, all, all, basically couture like dresses and evening gowns and mm-hmm. whatever, um, tuxedos like super super high level drafting and. The first time she did a fitting with us, you know, I started, you know, kicking and like swinging my arms around, and, you know, <laughs> and jumping up and down. She's just like, "What is going on? <laughs> what are you doing?" And uh, yeah, so literally, that's how we're. If you, we should probably make a video of a, a fitting that actually just it's just so people what we do. <laughs> so you've basically that process is something that you've invented yourself. I mean, like you know, lots of. I'm sure, you know, sportswear brands have R&D processes that are maybe similar, maybe more sport specific, like in a mainstream kind of way. But is this process that you're describing is, is the, is uh, acronyms in-house uh, special patented. formula, <laughs> patented yeah. development formula. Yeah. I mean, I just wonder if you could talk about how you arrived at, I guess it's always been inherent in, in what, what you do, but like, that's something that you've developed must be a pretty yeah, intense we, development. I mean, it's, it's definitely been something that's taken a very long time. Um, it's, it is, it's all been learning by doing, like we're just trial and error and um, iteration, like you know, for, just for years, thousands of times, just doing something thousands of times where it works. And, um, you know, now I think I could probably break it down and explain it, but um, I wish I could have done that when we started, <laughs> but um, no, it was much, it's, it's definitely, it's our own process. Um, I think because, in the studio, we're all so used to it and we're, you know, inside it. It's, you know, can't see the forest for the trees. We don't really necessarily realize how weird it is, our process or how different our process is until we go somewhere else. We're like, oh yeah, yeah, no one else does that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, for better or for worse, <laughs> that's, that's how it is, yeah. So are you finding time in London now to, to, to train? I We saw some... Um... When was the cat ball punching video? Yeah, the video? cat oh. ball punching video was the coolest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. <laughs> that was funny. That was just, that was a couple of days ago, actually. Um, I mean, I would like to say I'm training more. I, I've done a little tiny bit, just the first two weeks I didn't do anything. Like, yeah, I just, you know, we got it. There's a new sofa, which is um, also <laughs> arrived conveniently just before lockdown happened. And then even for the first couple of days, we didn't assemble it. And then uh, <laughs> we realized, okay, we're not going to leave the living room for the next month, possibly. Uh, we put it together and then didn't leave it, you know, for basically two weeks. <laughs> sat in there. It's, it's extremely comfortable. And um, yeah, so then when I started to like sleep, have like a, like a three nap sleep cycle, like instead of sleeping like one eight hour stretch, it'd be like, oh, two hours here, three hours there, four hours there. <laughs> After we got into that for a while, we were like, what day is it? Like, what week yeah. is it? Um, then we were like, okay, we've got to start doing something. And uh, so, yeah, but mainly I've just been messing around, really. There's not, I haven't been doing anything. Yeah, I saw, you, I saw you blowing out the candles with your, your wind punches and <laughs> kicks or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's also, so, I mean, it's just, it's just stupid. Yeah. Um, potentially hazardous, yeah. But um, I've always seen people do that, you know, and uh, I always thought it was... I don't know if it has any, it probably doesn't have any training benefit that I can think of, but I'd actually never tried it before. And cleaning up the kitchen, you know, my girlfriend was like, do something cool. (laughs) (laughs) And you've delivered. (laughs) Entertain me. Do something cool is a great, uh, (laughs) we're in the time of do something cool. Yeah, exactly. Anytime you can demand someone do something cool now, you got to be able to do it. So it makes me feel like I got to work on it. But yeah, I mean, any, anything you do is, is could potentially spark a viral uh, trend of some sort as has been. Um, yeah, yeah, I didn't I'm expect really... you to become a meme lord after we hung out in Berlin for like yeah, two that days. Is <laughs> I'm also yeah, how not has the bottle cap you... challenge changed your life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's mainly just, you know, jokes like that is probably the main, yeah. <laughs> the main thing. I'm not expecting it to happen anytime soon again. <laughs> How do you, how did, how, what was exactly the process of that going viral? Was it because you sent it to John Mayer and then he did it? It was or? just random. Actually, it went to um, 
I had seen some guy, we were in the photo studio and I'd seen somebody on the way to the photo studio on his story try, he's a martial artist in, I think he's in Kazakhstan. Um, I have to check. But, um, and he did it, I was like, oh, that looks, that looks cool, I could do that. And, or I wonder if I could do that. And then when we're on break in the studio, I was like, yo, hold this. <laughs> and tried it and I was like, oh, that was cool, it looks great. And, you did uh, it in one it. try? No, no, I did it. I had to do two tries because uh, so I had Vapormax shoes on first. Um. Vapormax <laughs> shoes, they don't have a flat bottom. There's they just like, like gripped it. So <laughs> nothing happened. And uh, I just spilled the water basically. And then, uh, and then of course we were shooting, so we're supposed to be working. So people are like, yo, what are you doing? <laughs> so then there were a couple hours, yeah, a couple hours in between. And then I changed outfits and had different shoes. I was like, okay, let's try this again. And uh, I think it took, it took the one that we posted was the third kick. So that was just, a, would you have slow, a favorite? Was what was your, did you have a favorite uh, like response kick? You know, it, Oh my God, there's so many amazing ones. <laughs> there were so many good ones. Um, I think Donnie Yen is probably, he's one of the best. Oh, the guy. Yeah. Wow. He did it. He, he did it. He didn't spin all the way around. He just did a jumping hook kick, hmm. but he did it with a blindfold. So, <laughs> oh, i'm just like okay fine yeah that was pretty gangster and uh, it was just crazy just to see that how far it went it was just ridiculous and yeah when i when i posted it i was just like i wasn't even like thinking about it like should i even post this but then when i did i thought it would be funny to like make it like a real challenge like more as a joke yeah and then uh even the name bottle cap challenge i remembered that that's what the first guy called it but turned out it wasn't it just happened to be uh, <laughs> what i thought it was and then so i typed that in and then i was like well we gotta call somebody out um and then i was like well, we should probably call someone who could probably do it um and then that was max holloway who uh had, who i hadn't met at that point who's uh, ufc he was ufc featherweight champion at the time and we had been you know dming each other on instagram because he's a huge sneakerhead and um and then he did it and he is the one who called out john mayer and, oh, then, okay. uh, and then I knew I knew John Mayer could do it. I, like everybody was quite surprised, <laughs> but I knew yes. he's, I knew he'd be trained. You had a good sense of John's flexibility. This is probably yeah. common knowledge, but does he have some martial arts training background of some sort, or is yeah he he does. He does. Um, I don't think it is common knowledge. Maybe it is okay. now. But oh, it wow. wasn't. It wasn't then. So, um, but I I'd seen him doing some stuff and had a, a chat with him a couple of times. So I, I figured he could probably do it. And then uh, and then he obviously called out Jason Statham. And then at that point, it was just, we were just all on. laughing the whole time. Like, this is crazy. Like, and then, yeah, I mean, Mariah Carey. Like, I forgot how wild that like, was. It was. It was just, it was just, for like a week, it was just literally, my mom's like, yo, you're on CNN. <laughs> really? <laughs> so like, I was like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Now everyone's just posting yeah. photos of them from, you know, at age 20. The, the, the viral challenge <laughs> of the moment has really sort that's of That's the new viral challenge. Yeah, really yeah we got we to gotta come back to the do something cool model of uh, <laughs> viral events and like, fuck this. Like, here's a picture of me from when I was 20. That's lazy. Harrison that's just cool. looks the same. He's a, I'm definitely no, I don't look this. I'm definitely not doing the 20 year old one. <laughs> <laughs> what anything, were you I'll doing when you were 20? Um, God, what was I doing? When I was 20. I was in university in Toronto, and uh, I was in and I was just being the worst student in the history of the school. Probably. <laughs> you studied fashion, right? <laughs> I studied fashion design at, at Ryerson. Uh, oh yeah. It was polytechnical back then. I now it's a university, but um, yeah. And uh, I was just always like getting in trouble, and I almost got expelled twice. Oh wow! I was, I was a, ter a terrible student. <laughs> I, was, I was always giving the professor shit, and I was always like sleeping through the classes. I was, I was the worst. <laughs> Did you have so, any yeah. sense? Like, what was your earliest sense of what you might do career-wise in fashion? Was there any? Was there any kind of plan at all, or was it just something? Um, no, I, I was interested in I was interested in clothing probably from uh, probably around 15, 16. But I had no access, you know, there was like, I was, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Canada and there was literally nothing like um, in 
you know, pre-internet generations that don't really think can appreciate just how isolating <laughs> it was back then because there was just yeah. nowhere to get information. And uh, But I would occasionally find like a copy of like the face or ID or um, even interview from, you know, and they just seem like, you know, artifacts from a different planet. And uh, so, but then I remember thinking, um, I would go into graphic design, architecture, or fashion. Those are the three that I was kind of in high school thinking about. And then uh, my dad was, he was an architect. He's like, don't do architecture. You can't make any money. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and I was like, well, there's probably more girls in fashion than in graphic design. And that was it. <laughs> and I was right. I was right. There was like I'd now? probably two or three hundred students first year at that at that time. And uh, I think there were five guys. So Wow. <laughs> that was definitely accurate. I wanted to ask you about uh that uh that epic looking Nike dinner where it was like a bunch of you guys oh, in that, yeah. was it an elevator where you took that like huge yes, iconic mirror selfie a, that looked like a Sistine Chapel a, but with like more Johns, I guess. <laughs> it was a it was a um as a freight elevator. Um, one of the guys at Nike, Sam, he engineered it so well. He, he, he um, basically, he's been friends with Virgil for ages. And he's like, Virgil, I'm gonna set this up. You go in there, we're gonna put the mirrors there and you pretend to take the photo. So take a selfie, everybody will crowd around. And then while that's happening, the actual photographer will shoot it and then we'll, it'll be spontaneous. And, ah. um, that was a genius, genius idea, and it totally yeah. worked. Wow! <laughs> so we've got everybody looking in the right direction, and but still being natural and not like, uh, not posing, not like. Um, had being, had you met most of the other yeah. designers in that photo at that point, or was there anyone new? Like, no, Drake there's was a lot there of new people. Too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I probably met less than half of them actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I met Virgil and uh, Matt Williams, and I met Travis once before, but I don't think he remembered. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I knew a few of them, but um, like that was the first time I met Drake. Um, which is that Ryerson blood is what he posted, right? <laughs> so funny, yeah. so funny. He didn't know I was from Canada. Oh, really? Um, when, uh, oh, that's so yeah, funny. When I told him I went to Ryerson, he lost it. He was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Started two sliding it was, in front of you. And... It, was, it, was, it, was, it was funny. It was an epic, epic dinner. Um, so we had the, it was at the fashion show. And at the end of the fashion show, they were like, stay in your seat, someone will come get you. And then they all pulled everybody and took us downstairs in the freight elevator and then they did the photo. And then, uh, and then after there was a dinner, um, which was kind of the place that everybody actually got to meet. Yeah. That was super nice. That was amazing. It's really quite something when you see all of that creative firepower in one room. Cause yeah. I've been a Nike collaborator for whatever, five years or so now. And um, you kind of always know who else is doing it, but to get them all in one place and to actually hang out. That was, that was kind of the first time, at least for me, um, where everybody was there. It was pretty, it was pretty cool. Yeah. They really, Nike really went to great lengths to make that uh, photo op seem totally impromptu. And then, you know, the more I saw it on Instagram, the more I was like, oh, they, these are like from three different angles. And uh, <laughs> there's clearly like a little bit of polish to these, you know, it's not yeah. like a, just, just off Virgil's iPhone. No, they um, they set it up to look like that, but they the way that the location they chose and where it was, like everything was, was it was so well done because even for the people who were in the photo, it did feel impromptu. That was the, yeah, was love the a fashion conspiracy movies. theory that turns out to be true. Yeah. <laughs> so what what was? Can you give us a little um, taste of that night? I mean, was was dinner conversation all just about the next sneaker everyone's going to design, or was it not even not even uh, part of the conversation? No, I don't think that really came up that much. Um, yeah. It was more, um, it was one, it was in some penthouse, like, I don't know, apparently someone actually lives there, which is just kind of mind blowing to me. Um, but there was a, one long table, maybe 40, 40 people at the table. And um, I thought it was really funny because it was Travis at one end, Drake in the middle, and then Kendrick at the other end. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. It was a, it was amazing. It was amazing, you know? and um, yeah, it was just very. I mean, as casual as you can be in that situation, that's what that's what yeah, I love. Yeah, yeah. What do you what do you make of um, of Drake and Virgil's obsession with uh, Arcteryx Leaf? I know they're both wearing um, the camo jackets that night. Yeah, I, I get it. It's 
it's also my favorite um favorite part favorite thing from Arcteryx by far it's like it's mm. great stuff it's got that added you know thing that you can't technically buy it as civilian so that always helps um and it's since it started which is i don't know it's at least 15 years now i'm guessing um leaf has always been in my opinion the best stuff because it's just the most reduced um they strip even the colors and the logos and everything goes off and but it's the same technology it's the same architect Arcteryx level of design and uh, yeah it's really it was cool to see it was the uh, it was a good, it was a good look. Also Canadian. Is that, is Arcteryx yeah. generally a brand you admire? Are there, are there, uh, yes, like, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're, well, they're, you came up with Valence, right? Like the name and, and you were working on that brand yes. in the early stages, yep. right? Yeah. We didn't get to do any of the, um, the actual apparel design, but we set up like, uh, basically what happened is, um, Tyler Jordan, who was president at the time, he, we, we knew Arcteryx from since 1999. Um, I mean, the first time they came out was outerwear. I met some of them at uh, at a trade fair outdoor in uh, in Friedrichshafen in Germany, and was just standing there looking at this stuff and like, what the hell is this? Because it was the first time you had those the watertight zippers. Yeah, it was the first time anybody had done a, a zipper garage or uh, used adhesives to glue things together rather than sew. Um, and so we were just in the ideation phases of acronym right at that time. And uh, I was just standing there like, you know, with my mind blown. And uh, one of the guys started talking to me and it turns out he was the, um, he was the vice president at the time, Tom Herbst. And, uh, and so the first acronym jacket actually shipped with, so we bought our the first acronym jacket, the zippers we actually bought directly from our Tarex. Huh. Um, because back then YKK didn't even make them. Mm -hmm. Our oh, wow. was making them themselves. <clears throat> And they were great because they were like, they sold us the zippers. They sent us a pattern for the garage and they, you know, we took photos like, this is how you sew it. This is what you do. And, uh, I mean, we still use that pattern today. And, oh, wow. Um, yeah. Wasn't and the jacket that even had the first a, time you met William Gibson too? Yes, that was, that was later. So in 2006 or seven, probably. Mm -hmm. um, so we met them in 99. Um, and then sort of whenever they would be at the trade shows or I would be in Vancouver, we would meet up. And um, and they were always curious, like what we're up to. So we showed them. Um, and so they always kind of knew what we were up to. And then when Tyler became president, he wanted to do, uh, set the company up so that there was outdoor, um, military, and then what he called performance wear. And that, was, that would be the tripod on which the company would be built. Uh, but it was having trouble convincing people inside the company that urban city wear, whatever you want to call it, um, was actually a legitimate area uh, of design or like a legitimate, had its own problems and all its own things to solve. Um, and they, you know, because all the guys there were like, like we'd literally be at lunch and people would pull out like their tackle boxes and be like, look at this cool you know, fly, fly fishing bait that I made. You know? Everybody else would be like, oh, how was your hike you know, to whatever creek this morning? Like, it's about as outdoor a place as you can possibly imagine. So they didn't want to hear about the city or like fashion. Or, like, any of that stuff. So Tyler was like, yo, you got to help me. Like I'm, I can't get anyone to listen to me. Um, uh, so we came and that was our job was to try and explain to everybody, look, this is a, this is a, a unique area um, of use that has its own problems and needs its own solutions, uh, just as much as military, just as much as outdoor or skiing or any of the other pursuits. And um, yeah, and then in one of those meetings, in one of the ideation meetings, um, we were talking about archetypical menswear. The bomber jacket came up. And I suggested like, oh, you should probably get a Buzz Rickson's MA1. Buzz Rickson's is a, it's a Japanese company that makes these replica um, military garments where they recreate not just the pattern and the cut, but they actually remake the fabric to spec. And uh, they even remade the zippers. So they, they, the first, one of the first things they did when they started the company was set up their own zipper factory, which is- like, That's crazy. 
And I feel like YKK is like the zipper monopoly. They, I mean, they, they do. really do. They really so do. like to make your own zippers yeah, is really, really wild. It's gangster. It's super nice. <laughs> and the zippers are amazing. <laughs> they look like they're from the 1940s. Like they look like little oh, wow. machines. And um, so I mentioned that. And, uh, and then Kate Patterson, who is uh, coordinating the project, she's like, oh, I think Buzz Rixens is in town visiting my uncle today. I'm like, what? <laughs> What do you mean? This obscure Japanese brand that absolutely no one knows about is visiting your uncle in Vancouver today. She's like, yeah. I was like, what's your uncle do? He's like, oh, he's this crazy writer. He just stays in his basement all weekend, all, all the time and, and writes and no one ever sees him. Oh, and, wow. um, and I was like, what kind of writer? She's like, science fiction. I was like, William Gibson? <laughs> She's like, yeah, do you know him? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know him. She's like, you want me to bring him to lunch tomorrow? I was like, yes bring him to lunch tomorrow. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. That's yeah, so it. that's how we met. And, uh, and he showed up in an actor's jacket, which still to this day blows me away. Um, oh, that's so rad. Yeah. Do you remember was, what acronym jacket he was wearing? It was uh, GTJ7X. Yeah. Wait, so in that, <laughs> in that at I'm that time- like I remember, oh yeah. Sorry. Sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually known as J7, GTX, J7-GTX, the codes were the other way back then. So William Gibson was already wearing acronym at that time? Like it wasn't- <laughs> Yeah. Did you, and, but you didn't know or you knew that he I had didn't. been wearing I had no oh, idea. Wow. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, That's it was amazing. totally crazy. And so I don't I know- you guys actually, got along. I, yes, we did. <laughs> 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 yeah, we still text each other, you know. Um, for a while he was emailing, uh, when he first started to email, um, it was it was so funny because I would I would get these messages from him and it would I would start to answer them and I would stop and I'd rewrite them and then I'd be like oh can I really say that because yeah. <laughs> he'd send me <laughs> messages and be like and you'd read them and you'd be like damn it really is William Gibson on the other side of this like <laughs> like he just described something that I've been doing for ten years way better than I even understood it myself. <laughs> 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 and, uh, but yeah, I got over that eventually. Yeah, e emailing just, with him for the for the story that I was doing, I was just like, wow, this is like way better than anything I've ever written. <laughs> and he probably just like wrote it on his, I don't know, Nokia or whatever he's <laughs> using it's, in his basement. Wild. Yeah, yeah. that's he's, so he's, amazing. That so basically, easily, go ahead. Sorry, he's easily the most articulate person I've ever come yeah. across. But I'm sure that's not news to anyone. <laughs> Sorry. And this was. Um, Pattern recognition, his book, had the Buzz Rickson's, it had, yeah. okay. And the bomber yeah. jacket sort of plays a He's, part in that book. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. mentioned in that book. When I first read it was like the beginning of me understanding clothes in a different way. I mean, like, oh, wow. and, um, but that's just so wild that, so then the brand came to visit him probably based on pattern recognition, right? Or, and yeah. they ended up collaborating yeah. and doing a William Gibson MA1, right? Yeah. And they yeah, have they a whole collection. Yeah. Yeah. And it must so, have been at so, the same moment that you met him or something when that was coming together. It was together. right around there, yeah. yeah. I think they already I can't remember if the, the jacket I think might have already been out. Okay. Uh, no, I'm not sure. I could check that. But um in the book they describe an all black uh Buzz Rickson MA1, which yeah. didn't exist. Uh, yeah, right. And Buzz Rickson got all these, you know, requests like and then they figured out who had caused this um, and uh, reached out and then they started making them. And still to this day, there's a, a William Gibson Buzz Riction collection that is uh, just all black renditions of uh, Buzz Riction's items. And uh, it's great. It's amazing. Wow. It's really, really beautiful stuff. That's super cool. Uh, yeah. So we I need always, to figure always... out how to get like the William Gibson closet tour. Cause I like, I mean, in in that's with acronym idea. stuff, you yeah, that's know. A good idea. I just yeah. want to know what else is is in there. Yeah, it was funny in the in the because we he did come to lunch the next day, and then we were in this ideation meeting, and he decided to stick around and sat in on it, and then uh, very quickly realized that uh, you know, despite the fact that I was there and that you know our tariffs designers were there, is that he was the one who knew the most about clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Within like twenty minutes, we're like, oh. We're just gonna shut up and listen to you now. Uh, <laughs> it was really, it was really funny. Yeah. Can you give us a few other than um, Arcteric, some some other brands, fashion or or otherwise, that you really admire from a design perspective? I'm usually more into like individual pieces than yeah. than, uh, 
But that being said, um, actually Kanye, I'm fully always blown away by Kanye and how uh, he just thinks with no boundaries and uh, how he's able to do this thing where he could, he has the easiest possible route to, you know, um, to fashion just by being who he is. He could make anything and it would work. Yeah. And instead of doing that, he chooses to do probably the most difficult stuff um, mm -hmm. where the p things that people just don't understand and, you know, um, they don't know they want. And uh, I, I really uh, am always, always impressed by the fact that he always pushes, always does that. And, uh, and that actually, that GQ piece was amazing, by the way, the yeah. last cover and the, the whole thing. So. Got to get you out to the compound, you know? Yeah, you should go to Wyoming. I'm sure he'd. I'm sure he'd love to have you out there. You drive around in those tanks and all that. Looks a good look for sure. You should take yeah. William Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That would be a good trip. A little road that trip. That would be a good trip. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> so good. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't figure out a way to. I would have had to move to uh, to Calabasas. We discussed kind of. Um, he came to. This, he actually was in Berlin for something else, and then. Uh, ended up meeting him and then he actually came to the acronym to the office and went to the archive and uh, was very excited and then invited us to Calabasas and um, we ended up spending two days with him there and then we we're trying to figure out a way to work together but it just wasn't um, on my end like I just could, I would have had to move there to like um, and then I had other stuff that I had to well, acronym. Um, so. <laughs> what, was, what was like a, what was the most surprising thing about sort of Kanye's work process that you were able to observe when you were like in Calabasas with him? Oh, definitely the, just his fucking stamina. Like he, mm -hmm. uh, so he, he, he's like, we would like you to, you know, work us, work with us on some outerwear. Um, and so we get to the office, and you know, his office is this giant, like hanger sized. It's probably different now, but back then giant hanger size room um, split in half by the like the world's longest sofa and then uh, <laughs> one half's empty and then the other half was like almost like like long tables like benches like but big enough to seat like you know lots of people and then just one jacket one laptop one drink and then Kanye this giant empty room and we sat down and started talking to him and while we were talking the back doors opened up and then people started wheeling racks of clothes and uh you know it just kept going and kept going and kept going and then the whole front of the other half of the room filled up with racks of outerwear and uh, he's like yeah so we figured a good way to start this is to just show you what we've got and what we've done so they they pulled the whole archive of outerwear they had everything that they bought and looked at and oh, sampled wow. and designed so they were like i don't know three three and a half, four thousand items there. Um, maybe I'm exaggerating, but it was it was stupid amounts of outerwear, like yeah. like way more than I have. And um, and I was like, oh, this is a great idea. You know, it's like we can take a look at the archive, leave us alone here a couple hours, we'll look, we could come back, have another meeting. But then Kanye gets up and walks over to the rack and he picks up one jacket and he goes, I like the collar. And I'm like, <laughs> I like it too. And he's like, okay. And then we put it on the good rack. And then he goes to the next one. Oh, there's that. Oh bad. my God. <laughs> and then literally, I don't know how many hours later, we went through every single piece that was wheeled in. And he personally showed me the entire thing. And um, and it was just like halfway through that I was like, like to the point where his arm was sore from yeah. lifting the <laughs> jackets. You know? <laughs> um, and you know halfway through that you know maybe in like the first hour into it I was like yeah nothing is going to stop this guy from anything <laughs> like there's just there's there's no way and um, and then after that of course you know we had more conversations and um, and at the end of the day that, that might have been the next day it might have been the second day but he's like come here I want to show you something and then exited the office went across the hall into the recording studio and then he started playing his, you know, beats and, you know, yeah. tracks that he was working on. And it was just like, wow, like this, this is just, uh, you know, I've met a lot of creative people, but um, very rare to see that level and that commitment, that hundred percent. I think the thing that, that struck me most about Kanye is his inherent optimism that 
he truly believes in the power of design. And I don't think that's something you come across, even amongst designers. Everybody's kind of more, it's like cooler to be jaded about it, or it's like, yeah. I don't know how else to describe it, but it's um, there's a certain cynicism in it when you yeah. sort of, maybe it's because you get to see behind the process uh, because you know how things get made and you know, you know, the, the underlying architecture of things that other people only see on the surface. So there's maybe it's with that, I don't know. Um, but with Kanye, I didn't get any of that at all. He's, he fundamentally believes in the power of design to make the world a better place. And uh, mm. that informs all of his decisions. And it's really, uh, you know, you can say whatever you want about um, if you like it or you don't, but it's, it's, it's I personally do. Um, but it's just incredible to see somebody who's able to have that clarity of mind about it, but then also the willpower and the resources to, to put it online. He doesn't, he just doesn't take the easy way. It's, 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 uh, it's really inspirational. He's basically, he's basically, sounds like he's still at it, but now he has, in addition to all that, a team of architects who are (laughs) designing the future, uh, (laughs) multi thousand acres. Yeah. And he was talking about that, you know, then, uh, and he, you know, it was like in passing, that's the thing with him is that was the other thing with him is like, like, so he plays this, you know, some track he's working on it that turned out to be yikes, you know? Um, and then, uh, and then he mentioned like, yeah, we, you know, looking at land and we got architects and, you know, I didn't know it was, you know, Silvestri and James Terrell, and, you know, but it, that's, that's just Kanye level, you know, that's what, that's what happens there. So, or must, I don't, I don't have a full insight into it. I was really only there for two days, but uh, very, very interesting to see. Um, well, I think we're about time for this episode of Corporate Lunch, yeah. but normally we do 13 vibes where we, um, but maybe we should put you on the spot. I'm just imagining you spending two weeks on the couch, which is, I should say, very inspirational because like every, <laughs> everyone, everyone feels this like pressure to be productive in this time. Like, how many books can yeah, you read? Yeah. How many fucking screenplays can you write? Like, what's That's your masterpiece? Bad, yeah. And like, how far along are you on it? And, you know, I'm in Zoom meetings all day with work, but I, I just love that you're like, oh, yeah, new couch. We're going we're gonna to be here for a while. We're just going to sit on this couch. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm imagining. No, I'm, I'm, go ahead. I'm fully like, like when it started happening, my girlfriend and I were like, "This is perfect. Like, this is what we want to do anyway. Like, we, yeah. we just want to sit around and nap and eat food and watch TV and, like, <laughs> and hang out." So it was like, I hope this lasts for a really long time. <laughs> so maybe um, I don't know if uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Hopefully, you can you share movies, TVs. Shows, music, uh, books. What's what's the cultural consumption sure. been on the yeah. couch? Uh, what kind of um, recommendations do you have to get us through this? I don't have recommendations. I ended up we ended up watching uh, Westworld again, or I ended up watching it. Again. My girlfriend hadn't seen it, so um, that was interesting. Uh, it got a bit long at, at parts, obviously, <laughs> but uh, and I just kind of wanted to see what was happening in the in the third season, so I watched that. And then uh, what else did we look at that was good? Oh, we that was a Korean zombie uh, series on Netflix called Kingdom that I really uh, enjoyed. I heard good things about that. Yeah, that's really good. That's really, it's a little bit gory, but not too much. And uh, but like great martial arts, great costumes, great acting. At least like seemed to me as great acting as in Korean, I don't know. Um, that was really good. Half, we're halfway through devs now. Um, also interesting. Uh, I think it's interesting to see that both the new season of Westworld and and devs are talking about like this uh, the order flow and the ability to predict like you know 15 minutes into the future or whatever, which is 100% a William Gibson cost, uh, concept um, that uh, that comes up in the third book, in the Zero History book actually. Um, that's cool. And then uh, books. Uh, I read this book called Game Changer, which was pretty cool. Um, I've been trying to read, I love reading science fiction. And uh, I've been trying to read female science fiction authors recently. Um, and that was one, the author's name is Alex uh, Beckett. I'm just going to make sure that's right here. Um, yeah, and the book is called Game Changer. That was excellent. It was like, it's it's a post-environmental collapse science fiction novel. Um, so that's already happened. And then the generation that's 
the the protagonist, she's of what is called the bounce back generation, hmm. where they are um, have taken it upon themselves to sort of reinstate the earth. And uh, one of them, the protagonist, she's a gamer actually. The gaming has become like, I guess like like major league sports. And there's just a lot of really interesting insights. Um, also, the food food packaging is always interesting. They always eat the meal, but then they eat the glass or they eat the cup <laughs> or the plate. Wow. Like it's wow. all consumable. Yeah. Zero and, uh, waste. Zero waste. <laughs> yeah. So that that was really cool. Um, and then uh, I read a lot. I'm not gonna call out all of this stuff here, but um, but I just read a, another shorter work called Emergency Skin by um, N.K. Jemison. Yeah. That was really good. I also read The City That We, The City We Became. That was a brand new book from her that just came out as well. That's more of a fantasy thing, but also um, basically that cities age and then they, they, uh, at some point they mature to have like a, a personification, someone that personifies the city with like essentially superpowers. And um, this homeless black kid becomes New York City and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that, was, that was exciting. And yeah, um, I've also been reading works by this author, Paolo, I don't know how to say his last name. He wrote a book called The Water Knife. Got my reading list cut out for me now. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> so it's gonna be a lot to get through. Yeah, I said Baggy, Bassi Galupi, I don't know, B-A, is it C or G? B-A-C-I-G-A-L-U-P-I, sorry. <laughs> um, he wrote, that's also kind of an environmental story, um, The Water Knife, and then another one called The Wind-Up Girl. Um, in The Wind-Up Girl, is interesting, there's these, uh, uh, basically, calorie, it's, characters called calorie men who uh, represent agencies that control the world's food supply. Um, and uh, yeah. in that world, they've had, uh, I guess, almost like genetically modified food wars. So the whole food ecosystem collapsed and then became concentrated, kind of like OPEC, but like for food. And uh, so that's wild too, just to see. The, I think it's important to see, not necessarily, um, yeah, just to see, to try and think outside of normal parameters and science fiction is definitely helpful in that. And particularly in relation to like climate change, which is coming up, um, we're all kind of the whole world is reeling from COVID nineteen. But um, I mean, against climate change, that's really just the warm up. Like I think uh, it's a good it's good to see that in a way to see it happen and see just how vulnerable all of the systems we have are to this type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, and we're really going to have to you know take a, a fundamental look at everything if. Uh, we have any hope of, of tackling the uh, larger issues that climate change is going to bring along with it. Well, an interesting thing has been to observe with climate change, uh, those who have been calling for urgent action have kind of been met with this sort of like, well, what are we going to do? Shut down the economy, shut down the world, stop <laughs> yes. everything, stop yes. everything to save the planet. We can't do that. It's impossible. And then of course um, this this COVID-19 experience is sort of a model for how we actually could uh, yeah. stop everything and shut down the world if we really, if we, if we need to, and if the threat is, is real and urgent enough. And that, that's kind of, um, I think from that, from a climate change kind of um, perspective, it's been interesting. Yeah. That's, that's the optimistic thing that I'm, that I'm hoping for is that out of this situation, everybody's, you know, gets has their preconceptions and their concepts of, of what's possible reset and uh and hopefully we can you know as as a race come together and understand that like um more is possible than just business as usual because it has to be because business as usual is what got us uh got us here in the first place yeah. on that on that optimistic note <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> Um, back to netflix yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh errolson thanks for joining us do you guys all feel Thank complete anyone have the final words chris thanks for joining us also chris is uh second very special guest on episode 90 91 great to see you. episode great 91 to see you, chris yeah great seeing you too dude glad you're taking yeah. care
yeah, hopefully uh, when this is all over, we can hang out and <laughs> do some white, do some white tie together or yeah, something. Let's hold some pads, you know, smash some exactly. stuff. Awesome. All right, everybody. Nice to meet the rest you of you. Too. Be Thanks, safe. Great to meet you. Stay safe out there. Take care. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.